Welcome to the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. A Southern Storm, a bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome back to this week's episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. Thank you for the downloads. Thank you for participating on the Facebook page. With me, as always, Jason. Uh, what is going on, man? Hey. Uh, what is going on? I don't know. Um, same old, same old here. It got super hot in Ohio. Um, you know, into the school year. I got a, one kid just graduated high school and another. I just still got a couple years left. So it's been life events for me. What's going on with you? Yeah, you've been busy, yeah. Uh, it was a little chilly today. I mean, it got down to the higher 30s, but it's it's – it's okay now. Um, I'm excited for this Friday. Uh, the new uh, Blackberry Smoke record comes out. You hear Georgia. Get uh, mine's pre-ordered. I assume yours is pre-ordered. Should show up. Uh, yeah. Um, hopefully. You go vinyl. Would you do vinyl, CD, I just digital? CD. Okay. I should probably just go ahead and order the vinyl too. I just did CD. Um, so. That's coming out. Also, we have uh, singles coming out, uh, both from Jane Lee Hooker and from Babylon Shakes. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Um, the title Definitely. Is- like, you know, I mean, friends of the podcast, Jane Lee Hooker. I love their stuff. Glad to hear it coming out. And new, one of my new favorites, Babylon Shakes, who at some point we're going to have them on, right? Yeah. Um, so the title, it's uh, Drive for Jane Lee Hooker, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and let me check this out for Babylon Shakes. Um, I think it's called All Your Mirrors. Sounds car related. Everything's car related. Yeah, sounds like it. It's a cool picture too that I Tracy did share, and Jane Lee Hooker has shared on their social media the um, promo picture for the for the single. Right. School. It's cool. Hanging out in a convertible caddy. Is that a caddy? Uh, I remember I correctly. I'm not a big car guy. Well, let me see. I'm not a big car guy either, and I just, hmm, I'll look at it. I'll, I'll I'll chime in if I figure it out. How's yeah. that? So the Babylon Shakes single is called "All My Mirrors," not "All Your Mirrors." All my mirrors and drive. Mirrors are on a car, so you know we'll keep. We'll say everything is a car is car oriented. How's that? Oh, it sounds great. <laughs> All right, I'm looking at the picture of the car from their drive single and it's only a partial picture of it so maybe it's not a yeah i've seen there's one from the uh picture from the front too somewhere is that a mercedes what is that now it's killing me it's on their instagram page oh well we'll keep looking so we've got that to look forward to a lot of good stuff's coming i think uh, jane lee hooker is supposed to have an album coming out this summer as right. well, last time I, we spoke to them, I believe. Right. And the Babylon Shakes, they're when the record's supposed to come out later this summer, and it's called Seven Moons. Do they have a date for that set? Is not, it later on the summer? It's just like tentative late summer. Well, we need to get those guys on to talk about it. Maybe yeah. a quick hitter, maybe yeah. a full podcast. Both. Well, both, you know, quick hitter, maybe sooner. I do, did, I do, do dig that band, though. I like what they're putting out right now. Uh, exponential growth between, you know, the, the first record they did and the songs they're putting out now. It's just, it's like not even the same band. 
And they're posting a lot of stuff on social media too, acoustic versions, studio versions of things. Like they're really getting out there. So it's it's I like I like what I hear. That might sound sappy, but I kind of feel like I'm adopting him the way I felt like I was adopting Magnolia Bayou. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, yeah. you know what? They they need a good advocate like you as a platform to share well, what they're podcast. doing. So uh, we're back in New York City. We can't get out, man. It's like the Kurt Russell classic, Escape from New York. That's where we're at. We can't escape music of New York. Well, we don't want to because it's so good. It is good. It is good. So we we found somebody this week, Brian, who was through a connection through one of our previous podcast guests from the New York area. Yeah, Rob Clarez, uh, who played with the Black Crows and John Popper and um, has his own musical project, Split Second, Split Second Meltdown. Uh, he turned us on to uh, Lizzie and the Makers, which, of course, is fronted by Lizzie Edwards. And we uh, had the pleasure of talking to her. And it was wonderful. It was very, very engaging, very charming. Just very, uh, very sweet to talk to. Very musical. Yeah, she was a great guest. She was really just, it was like talking with an old friend, really. That's what it came down to. They got into how they got the name of the band, some other things that are going on, some New York City connections or New York connections. And it was just, a, I think, a good continuance of the theme that we've had with New York-based artists right now. And uh, we don't want to give you the spoiler, but you're going to find out uh, some, you know, less than seven degrees separation of, like, amazing artists that... Uh, her bandmates have played with you already know about rob being in the black crows but it gets even more so than that it's pretty amazing (laughs) and you know what and as a little hint i'm gonna say word to your mother oh sure (laughs) (laughs) and six degrees of separation to my wedding you're gonna find out about oh for sure yes i remember that see very cool It it was a good conversation i think you're right. Everybody will enjoy it. She's great. Her band's great. Uh, music is super cool. I think people are going to dig it. Yeah. And uh, just so many, you know, great things she said and just awesome to talk to. And we'll definitely have her on again. So uh, everybody just kick back and enjoy our conversation with Lizzie Edwards from Lizzie and the Makers. <laughs> back to the guest segment of this episode of the all things blues and southern rock podcast we told you who is with us uh, but we're going to throw it over to jason to introduce our guest thank you brian as always it's my pleasure to introduce the guest this week is another one of our new york city artists that we've now become 
very fond of, and I think it's all Rob Flores' fault, but we'll get into that a little bit because Rob Flores is definitely a key part of this person's band. But we are very happy to have on Lizzie Edwards from the band Lizzie and the Makers. How you doing, Lizzie? I'm doing very fine. How are you guys doing today? We're all good. Yeah. Good. Thank Thanks you for um from rescuing us today. We had a little scheduling issues, and I know we'd spoken to you a while to get on here and. We just slotted you in when, when something else happened. So thank you very much. Uh, my pleasure. Time, timing is everything sometimes. So yeah. Yes, but you are the hero time. of the day, hero of the week for the, for the podcast. So thank you. Can I get a plaque saying that? <laughs> we, can do, we can do something for you for sure. Okay, cool. So where are um, you in New York City? Are you close to there or where, where exactly are you at? Yes, I am in Brooklyn okay. uh, in Park Slope. Um, and But I grew up in Manhattan and I've lived pretty much all over all over the city since so. you mentioned Brooklyn we'll, we'll ask you the Brooklyn question right away like you know anytime like you know you google like up-and-coming music scene like Rolling Stone did a piece on it too is Brooklyn is this new you know could be the new LA or Nashville I mean is that is that is that true is that exaggerated is that uh on the mark um, that I think it's really hard to compare Brooklyn to anywhere else or New York City to anywhere else. It's kind of always changing. There are always new, different people of all backgrounds, all ages coming through, coming and going. So to call it the new anything else is kind of, I don't know. I just think Brooklyn is Brooklyn. It, didn't, it might not be the same Brooklyn from 10 years ago, which many people here will tell you and complain about, but um I do think that there are so many different neighborhoods within this borough and there's room for kind of a little bit of everything. I think Park Slope has a really nice kind of jazz scene going on. And then you have Red Hook, which has a lot of blues and old soul music happening. But then you've got Williamsburg and Bushwick that has a lot of indie rock. So it's really just a big, big place. And I think a very musician friendly um, so I don't know. Maybe it's Nashville and LA combined with the Brooklyn, Brooklyn right on. cherry on top. <laughs> so how did you get your start in music, Lizzie? Uh, I started studying music when I was four years old. Uh, my uh, grandmother on my father's side was a classical harpsichordist, and my grandfather was an opera singer, and my dad was a classic rock guitar player who played with Chuck Berry and his band opened for Martha Mandela's way back when. So I kind of at around age four, my parents put me in music class to see if I liked it. And um, I, I did, it just came naturally to me. And I started playing classical piano um, all throughout high school and college, but was it was in college where I really felt like I was gravitating more towards blues and jazz from classical. And I started singing more in high school and college. And, and then after, after college, I just thought, you know, the only thing I, I'll get up early for in the morning is, is music. So I think I have to pursue this. So uh, my first band was 22 outside of college, New Jersey cover band. It was great. <laughs> it was a good start. So, so going back to your musical education a little bit, did you went to college on a music scholarship to study music. Is that correct? I, I didn't. I actually, I studied at the Manus College of Music Preparatory Division for 14 years growing up. There we go. Okay. And then I, I minored in music in college. Um, 
and I was going to major in music, but they wouldn't let me major in composition, which I really wanted to do. So I, like an irreverent 19 year old, I threw a fit and changed my major, but <laughs> it still didn't matter. I am still doing music now. And I think, uh, I think once I left college and I left that world of music education, I started really to expand more as a musician and a singer and explore what I could do more and, and what my other influences were aside from just, you know, being in a music school and being told what to do. With your primary education, then it sounds like you went to, you know, I mean, you went to basically performing art school. Was it like fame? You know, do you remember fame, the movie and TV series? Everybody was dancing and singing everywhere. I mean, I have to say the musical theater kids are exactly like that wherever you go. <laughs> so there are definitely times where people would just randomly break out into song and practice their dance moves from the spring fling or whatever. But, um, but there were also athletes and, and sure. other kinds of scholars too. So, but, but it was pretty close. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> what did you end up changing your major to in college? since you could major in composition. Um, I ended up majoring in English. Um, and it's funny. I remember being at the local grocery store and the clerk asking me what my major was. And he said, I said, English. He said, Oh, do you want to be a teacher? I said, no, I don't think so. And he said, so do you want to be a bartender? I got really offended, but here I am now, bartender and musician. I guess he was right. Uh, but I, I love reading and I love writing. And so English just felt like a natural second choice um, to develop my writing skills and, and comprehension. Well, I figure too, you know, if you're yeah. studying English and writing, it, you know, you're a songwriter, right? So how did that influence or did that influence your ability to write actually lyrics? I mean, it's helped immensely. I don't, I don't think I'm the lyricist I am today without any of that background education and the books I read. I mean, I, and I read lots of graphic novels and um, a lot of weird horror novels and just kind of the whole gambit. And it really expanded my vocabulary and just kind of helped me understand how to make certain sentences or lines of a song flow better what kind of rhymes work better than others studying Shakespeare. So it definitely, definitely has contributed to my, to my lyric writing. Well, Brian, I'm going to nerd out for a second because Lizzie said something that piqued my interest. Um, graphic novels. What kind of graphic novels? I'm an old comics guy. What kind of graphic novels were you reading? Um, so I took a, my, my senior year, I took a class. Um, I mean, we were reading a lot of postmodern stuff. So we read a lot of Vonnegut and we read um this book called Blankets and um now I'm trying to remember it feels like it was years ago uh, you're not reading like Batman and Superman you're reading like no. some very like classic or, or like actual literature but in like a graphic form yeah right so like in Breakfast of Champions for example is is not a real graphic novel but it does have pictures in it so you can kind of classify it as a graphic novel but things like that that were multimedia um, and just really push the envelope of strange, which I think also translates to my songwriting. Well, sure. Like fictional stuff, alliteration, like being able to develop images with words, very critical songwriting. I am terrible at that part. When I write a song, <laughs> it's like, it's like a Fountains of Wayne song, almost like it's a, like a set story where it's clear. It doesn't have like this poetry to it where our <laughs> chief songwriter in my band is really good at that aspect. And I think he did a lot more studying of the fine arts than I did. Oh, actually, I know he did. 
I mean, a lot of it, a lot of songwriting too, I feel like it's starting with one good idea and then expanding from that. And I mean, my thesaurus is my best weapon. Sometimes I'll have an idea and it sounds not that exciting. And then I just start replacing words with other words that mean the same thing. And then it becomes this kind of mystifying passage that it didn't start out, you know, might start out as, oh, he broke my heart. And then it turns into, you know, oh, he trampled on my center or something like that. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like that, that I feel like when I, I did some songwriting courses was, was a real eye, eye opener kind of the, the, the thesaurus and the songwriters uh, rhyming book were very helpful. Oh, see, that would be, that would be excellent. I did you write a song on anything like based on Kurt Vonnegut? Cause I would imagine that would be pretty interesting subject matter. I haven't, but you know, now I think I'm going to see, yeah, we, we had on um, Jane Williams from Jade, like the stone a couple weeks ago. And she read, she was reading a lot of, um, Oh, the guy who read like all the Cthulhu and all those like really dark. Uh, oh gosh. Now I'm blanking on it. <laughs> Both and of I us asked, blanking on the book names here. Blanking on. See, um, and I said, are you going to write like songs based on this stuff? Cause it's pretty dark stuff. And she's like, well, maybe I have to do that now. So, Let's see some Vonnegut stuff from you. All right. I'm not, I'm on it right <laughs> after this interview. It's the first thing I'm going to do. <laughs> so Lizzie, if you could go back, you know, I was, I was distracted when my security alarm went off. And <laughs> so by the time listeners hear this, you know, we'll edit that out. So, but only oh, no, it's like kind of a little homey approach, that. Brian, when our animals, you know, speak <laughs> up. Even in for comedic purposes. But did you say your dad played in Chuck Berry's band? Did I get that right? Yes. So. Uh, my gosh, I was mind blown. Yeah, so so it's interesting back then, and I guess this is like the mid to late 60s when this was happening. Uh, my dad lived in Iowa and when musicians would tour, and, and a lot of people do this now too, but I think it was more common back then. You wouldn't tour with a whole band. It was too expensive. So you would tour, you would have certain pockets of the country you're touring, and then you would have side men you pick up in those areas for those legs of the tour. So when he would come through town, he would just kind of pick up my dad's band as, as his backing band. Cause, and they would do, you know, a little Iowa and Illinois and like kind of that whole area. Um, Cause it was just more affordable. And also, I mean, my dad at the time was a teenager, so it was really more affordable because wow. <laughs> I don't think his rates were very high, <laughs> but not to downplay his talent. He's also really good, but, um, sure. but yeah, so that was quite an experience in his, uh, his parents who were classical musicians were not a fan of his rock and roll uh, musical musical endeavors. Uh, not a lot of classical harpsichord and rock and roll music. Yeah, no, not at all. Although I did just record a version of a Shags song. You know, the band, the Shags. No, I'm not familiar with them. They're like sisters from the sixties that play out of time and out of tune, but some people are really into that. Um, so I did a version of one of their songs for a project all on harpsichord. So maybe wow. that'll be the first, uh, that'll expand you, the harpsichord in rock music. <laughs> can you play the harpsichord? I I do. Yeah. I mean, my grandma taught me a little bit. When well, I mean, similar to a piano, right? Like, you know, you got the keys and it is, they, there are multiple levers though. So you can, and it's not just like a piano where you have like a soft pedal or like a church organ then yeah so you can change shift the 
the keys. So there are two, they're usually two keyboards an, an upper keyboard and a lower keyboard. And if you hit a lever, the upper keyboard can be an octave up from the lower keyboard. If you hit it again, you can make it just a fifth above the lower keyboard. And so when you're playing, you're kind of playing both and manipulating, um, manipulating the notes and how they're being played. So I, I can't play it super well. I haven't mastered the levers yet, but it's a pretty cool instrument. And I have my grandmother, I, my family has one of her old harpsichords in our house. So that's how I get to use it. I'm very Did lucky. your grandfather, you said, sing opera? Yes, he was an opera singer. And his biggest role was uh, Pinkerton in Madame Butterfly at City Opera. Um, but he stopped the Weezer album, Pinkerton, right? Yeah, right. Opera. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he loved Weezer, man. Yeah. Um, no. And uh, so he and he taught a lot of voice lessons um, even after his stage career ended. Was your dad a singer also? Yes. Yeah. He, uh, but kind of more like the little Richard kind of singing than. Yeah, sure. Sure. Pav- not, not the operatic. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually a funny story. My grandfather, this it describes him completely. We were at a family friend's house and, and this guy was obsessed with Jimmy Buffett and had cassettes. Now, now I'm dating myself, but he had all these cassettes of Jimmy Buffett on the wall and my grandfather went up to him and said so please tell me who is this jimmy buffet and uh that kind of describes my grandfather in a nutshell <laughs> sings about cheeseburgers and stepping on pop tops and blowing out yeah. flip-flops and sharks and fins yeah. yeah my parents were big jimmy buffett fans i heard a lot growing up well i grew up in the cincinnati <laughs> yeah i grew up in the cincinnati area and for some reason the only other place really outside of Florida where we're super huge was Cincinnati. Like it was just, you'd play multiple days in a row at the big outdoor amphitheater. And like, really? it was just, oh man, it was insane. People in Cincinnati love Jimmy Buffett. That's so funny to me because aren't you kind of landlocked out there? I always Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, we're right in the middle of With <laughs> the United <beach>. States. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's not a lot. I mean, the Ohio River is right behind the River River Bend Amphitheater, yeah. but it's, it, yeah, it's not, not very big. Yeah, I always associate him with like parrots and sailboats and. But damn, if the Cincinnati people just didn't like go <laughs> like go crazy, yeah, you know. Cool. I went one time with my parents. That was enough. I'd seen enough. I did not see, <laughs> need to see my parents party and be along with all the other middle-aged people. You know, I think I, I just was designated driver, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So Lizzie, uh, when like when did you start you know you know doing your own music? You know, you talked about being in a cover band. Like at what point did you just break out and do your own thing? Um, I started writing lyrics in college, but I was too nervous to share them with anybody. Um, for a long time, I think I felt like writing songs was so personal, and I was so worried how people would react to them because they're in the end, they're my feelings. And so I, I kind of held them close uh, to the heart and didn't share them. And then I was working in a recording studio in my early twenties. Um, and one of the owners, I was training to be a sound engineer. One of the owners said, oh, you should write it. You should record a demo. That's how things work is again, I'm dating myself here. Cause now you just go on TikTok or whatever SoundCloud, but <laughs> 
like you should record a demo and do you write? And I said, well, I have some songs that I've written, but I haven't shared them with anyone. And so I played them for him and he was very encouraging and I got to record them for free because I worked there. And I think that's when I realized, okay, I can do this. This is, and this is more fun than covers, although covers are fun too, but uh, it's a, it's kind of a different animal. There's the performance aspect of covers, but then the, the personal expression aspect of, of performing your own songs. So I would say like I was 24 when I finally got the courage to start sharing my, my songs. I still get nervous today too. I still write and think, is this really bad or is this good? I can't tell. <laughs> Are people going to hate it? Oh, well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Do you find that people really like judge you for lyrics though? You know, I haven't gotten that yet. Right. So it's all in my head uh, at this point. But that's what I would say is like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've listened to music for 40 decades or four decades. So it's like, I don't, you know, I don't I grind you. Have, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I did have an ex uh, boyfriend who uh, broke into my Dropbox after we broke up, where I had all my lyrics and decided to leave notes next to all the lyrics telling me how terrible they were. Um, like a kindergartner wrote them, but he was a real jerk. So I knew he, I didn't believe him. So it didn't really bother me that much, but maybe that might be the only time <laughs> someone has told me my, my writing's terrible. Yeah. Cause usually you listen to lyrics and like, you know, I, you don't, or well, I don't, I don't know how many people who would, would sit there and judge somebody by, by their lyrics now, unless they're like super, vulgar or you know what i or you know, racist or sexist or something but just like regular lyrics i don't think too many people think and like you know judge you by what what you're saying or saying uh i'm a little judgy of other people's lyrics <laughs> only because I, there are some times where i hear a song and i think is that really what you want to say and maybe if you took five more minutes you could have found a better way to say it they should use a thesaurus. Exactly. Exactly. See, you get what I'm saying. So you need to teach a, a, a songwriting class, you know, like Lizzie's <laughs> online songwriting and Zoom. Hmm, maybe I should. That's not a bad idea. A good side like muscle. It. Yeah. What are yeah. some of the worst lyrics that you've ever heard on like a popular song or something that, you know, or an artist or something? Well, maybe. So I don't want to, I'm going to say this. And I, and I don't want to offend anybody, but there's some lyrics that really bother me. And I know this band, they're, they're great musicians. I'm sure they're nice people, but there's a Dawes song where they rhyme champagne with pain. It's the whole, you know, when the tequila runs yeah. out, I'm just like, don't you have anything deeper to say? I don't know, but I get that's not what they were going for. But what really annoyed me is not even that. It's just rhyming champagne with pain for some Lazy. reason, really annoys me. <laughs> I'm like, come on. <laughs> That's going back to like my middle school reading Shakespeare days, though, of you can't rhyme. You can't rhyme a word with itself. It's not a good rhyme. Is that the bigger pet peeve for you is doing something like that in terms of rhyming scheme or more you feel like they could be more expressive with the lyrics that they have i think i think the rhyming thing is more of a pet peeve of mine which is totally bizarre and i should really let it go but <laughs> i think there's a lucius song out there too that rhymes a word with itself and i just can't listen that's all i hear 
but that's the nerd in me, I guess, where I just want to be like, hey, you know, here's a thesaurus. Let's find another word that works. <laughs> See, maybe if I was a better songwriter, I would be bothered by lyrics more often than I am. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that is the problem. I'm Just people on the guitar work. That's I'm what gonna, I do. I'm going to send you a thesaurus. I'll send you some merch and a thesaurus. Thesaurus.com. Yeah. <laughs> so how long after you started doing your own thing, like, did, did you, you know, how long have you been, like, leading bands, been the front person? Um, so I was in a band uh called jumping salty um i was not the band leader though i was the front person um or i was one of the front people it was a, primarily a blues band and there was a trumpet player and the band leader who was the guitarist was adamant that the trumpet player and i are both the front people and and that didn't end up really working out because there was a lot of trumpet playing over my singing that i was not a fan of um that band wasn't together very long I'm still in touch with them they're great musicians but it it was an interesting concept I guess that maybe wasn't right for me and then but but I'm telling that story because I had booked a mini little blues festival in Williamsburg to happen just like a one-day festival and I had my band headlining or this band headlining Jumpin' Salty. And a week before this happened, uh, the band leader decided the band was done. It was dissolved. We recorded an EP. That's all he wanted to do. That was it. No more shows, nothing. It's over. So I had to find, you know, I, me being stubborn, I wasn't going to just not play at the blues festival I organized. I was going to put a band together in four days and try to pull it off. Um, and so I was working at Pete's Candy Store in Williamsburg, which is a little music venue there. Um, and as a sound engineer, and there were just rumors going around. People like, oh, I heard Lizzie's looking for a band. Lizzie wants to put a band together. And so pe- random people who played there just came up to me and said, I want to be in your band. And I want to be in your band. And so we strung together seven cover songs, had a rehearsal. Uh, the band comprised of musicians who play at Pete's Candy Store and employees who work there. And that's how I met Greg, my co-writer. And that's how we came up with our band name. We were sitting at the bar trying to figure out a name and we're just going down the line of liquor bottles on the, on the back of the bar. And it was like Lizzie and the Jamesons, Lizzie and the Doers, Lizzie Anchors and the Mark. Makers. Yeah. That's exactly. my favorite. Me too. All right. <laughs> and so that's how it all happened. I mean, it was kind of, you know, talking about timing before and everything. It just kind of was good timing and it, and Greg and I clicked and then, I showed him some of my songs. He showed me some of his songs. It turned out we speak the same musical language and it, that's how Lizzie and the Makers was formed. So it was really my first time leading a band, this this band. And I guess I'm doing pretty okay. Yeah, for sure. It. And you guys were named after Makers, Mark. There needs to <laughs> be, there's, there's some kind of support you can get from them, I think. Is, I know, I'm waiting Makers on Mark my aware? endorsement. They're not aware, we're working on it. <laughs> Have you at least put it. into your get your own bottle and, and part of the ambassadors club right oh god that's a great idea you got to sign up for the ambassadors club at least i mean i'm okay. like three years away from dipping my bottle i think it'll be ready really okay mm-hmm. i'll sign up all right, all right so gotta i gotta write it. i gotta write a song about a kurt vonnegut book and sign up for the ambassadors, <laughs> ambassadors club. club okay <laughs> got it you're getting homework yeah i am <laughs> so when when was that lizzie when did that start uh, so Lizzie, that was a 2011 
So it's our 10 year anniversary. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. what was um, Greg? So that's Greg McMullen, right? Your guitar yes. player? Yes. What kind of bands was he playing in? Were you familiar with some of the th- his things? Yes. Yeah, so he had actually been touring with Chris Whitley um, for a long time, who's an amazing, you know, you know him. He's an amazing blues guitarist and singer. Um, also playing um, with Glenn Branca Ensemble which is kind of avant-garde classical. And I like that because I, I felt like I wrote a lot of blues and I gravitated towards the blues, but I also had a classical background and I also liked things that were a little unconventional. And so, so I felt like a good fit. Uh, and he plays a lot of pedal steel too um, and a lot of country, which I'm not, I wouldn't say any of the songs we write are country or I'm necessarily a country fan, but I do like how Greg's playing and especially in that instrument, what it lends to our songs that we write makes it not just rock or not just blues. It kind of adds an extra element that I really like. So how, how has the lineup been? Like who, is it just you and Greg have been there from the start or how solid has it been or have you had different changes or? Yeah. So Greg and I have been there together since the beginning and then I think six months into it we found Brett Bass our bass player um who's also been in with us forever and he actually had to take a hiatus for a while because he was playing in Greg Allman's band and I said if there's ever a reason (laughs) for you to not play with me it's that um and yeah he's he used to play with Bernie Worrell like he's amazing so yeah but then it got to a point where I was like you know Brett I can't really do this without you either so if you got to go on a tour fine but I'm not getting a sub I'm just not going to book a gig (laughs) because he just lends his playing style and and his attitude and personality too are just really an integral part of our of our songs and how they come together um Rob I would say joined the picture uh on keys about four years into playing uh we had experimented with having a a second guitarist a rhythm guitarist it just didn't really wasn't working out i don't know if we couldn't find the right person or it just wasn't the sound we were looking for and so i thought oh let's try to have someone on organ or keys and i was like yes that's it so and he's been with us since i guess 2015 um and then we had a uh, we started with a different drummer um who was great and was with us until for about six or seven years. Um, But he had some tours that he had to go on. um, And so I had hired a sub and I I ended up really liking Steve Williams as our sub and felt like that was actually the last missing link, the way he plays the drums and his experience. And again, just the way we all got along, it just felt right. So Steve played with both Sade and Diggable Planets, right? Yeah. And Vanilla oh Ice. He's got and, great, <laughs> he's got great that, Vanilla Ice stories. That is not on your bio online anywhere, I know. Vanilla Ice piece. Is that intentional? Yeah, I, yeah it is. <laughs> Which version of Vanilla Ice did he play with? Was it the rap or was he doing like that metal, the metal version? No, the rap. Like okay. early, like when Vanilla Ice won his Grammy or whatever, yeah. he's on stage with him with like a flat top haircut and... Wow. 
yeah, he's got amazing stories. You guys should have him on this show. Oh, I absolutely, we- absolutely should. Yeah, we should. So I'm, my mind continues to be blown. Your dad played <laughs> with Chuck Berry. You had a bass player that played with Greg Allman. Your guitar player played with Chris Whitley. Of course, we found about you, found about, found out about you through Rob, who played with the Black Crows. It's like, right? Wow, that's it's a hell of a pedigree with your band. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> they're all right, Rob. You're just okay. <laughs> We actually had an experience recently. I probably shouldn't talk about this, but here I go. Um, With a a radio promoter who said he couldn't get one of our songs on the radio because people were saying we just sounded like a bar band. And that's how I I knew he was lying and not doing the work because I was like, no, have you you seen who plays in this band? You're crazy. My um, my wife and I, our wedding song is a Sade song Aww. by your side. So I'm gonna have to have him on just to talk and to have my wife come down. Hey, oh, that's so cute! Right, that's such a great wedding song. It is, and it was right. Pretty's not too long when that came out. We got married in 2001. So, oh, I love that for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm gonna go upstairs and tell my wife this and hey, we just had. Lizzie on from Lizzie and Makers and her drummer played with Sade, like connected. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to come play for your anniversary or something. That's great because our 25 year anniversary is going well, our 20 year anniversary is this year in October. So, what are you going to do in October? Uh, nothing yet. All right. Well, We're we'll talk. To play. We're coming to play your anniversary. I'm learning the whole Sade catalog after this, in addition <laughs> to my other home. i know smooth operator and <laughs> by your side and i i don't remember what all her other songs are you know we all have a little bit of covid brain i think it's hard to remember things that's what i'm gonna go I with. just remember smooth operator was a big hit in the 80s yeah. right and i think she kind of came back with that album with by your side was on and yeah um yeah but you know it's there you go so i'll yeah. shut up now go ahead brian save me <laughs> You talk a little bit about all the music that you have recorded right now thus far. Oh, okay. Um, So we have, so we released an album in 2014, which is our first full length album. Um, And that has a lot of the first songs Greg and I ever wrote together. Now what's interesting about that is that Greg does not play on that album because um, he decided to leave the band for for personal reasons um and so I went and recorded the songs without him which I don't know in hindsight maybe I I would like to re-record them with him on them but but anyway uh we've got a lot of great songs on there and then we also have a live EP uh recorded of a show from Rockwood Music Hall that we did and they have great sound there it sounds really good and uh, we released an EP two years ago called Meanwhile. Um, it has six songs on it. And I think it actually really, you can see the growth from that EP uh, between that and the first album, where we really start to get into more ambient sounding songs and um, weird keys and kind of just explore and pushing the envelope a little bit as far as, as what we were comfortable with. Um, so... And now we're releasing a new full-length album, our second full-length album. 
called Deer on the Wall. And I'm really excited for everyone to hear it. I love what it. What is your release date? Do you guys have one? Uh, we don't have an exact release date yet. We Our next single is, yes, this year. It's going to be in July. Um, our next single is going to be released June 25th. And the song is called Lover by Proxy. Um, oh, that's a cool title. You know, thank you. Because I played that song for someone going back to lyric criticism. And they said, this is an amazing song, but you have to change the title. No one knows oh. what that means. It's the Saurus assholes. Yeah, right. Or Google it and, and, right. and, and you'll learn something. But anyway, thank you. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's super cool. <laughs> your first single, though, that came out on this album, came, was it last month? Did you roll that yeah, out? Is, uh, yeah, Mermaid. it's called Mermaid. And actually, I wrote the lyrics to that song at Pete's Candy Store, which is where the band was formed and where we came up with the name. So it's kind of all come full circle at this point. Um, I don't know why I find a lot of inspiration there. It's a cool place. If you're ever oh, in Brooklyn, man. check it yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, whatever inspires you to write, I mean, writing music, lyrics, not well not easy for me not easy for a lot of people so you got to find whatever that sweet spot is that that gives you that uh you know that gives you that drive to do it yeah. um that song mermaid though has i don't want to call it an atypical song structure but it's a it's not proggy i don't know the name or maybe i do need your thesaurus back to the thesaurus again but it's not <laughs> but it's not almost like a standard song in the structure it's really it's super cool it's a great song like i mean do you i mean do you, what's kind of behind the idea for that um, I mean, I think when I first, when I first wrote the chord progression, it was just a straight, slow blues song. Yeah. And Greg is, the reason why Greg is kind of my musical soulmate, I'll say, is because he always know I'll bring him a chord progression and a melody and I'll be, I'll say it's missing something or it, it, it needs to be surprising in some way or un, there needs something unexpected needs to happen. And so he will re- rearrange the chords or add an extra measure somewhere to, like you said, make it sound a little proggy or just different, just not yeah. what you expect, which is what we really like. I feel like if you're not, if you don't feel a little uncomfortable listening to some of our songs, then we're not doing a good job. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was the, the idea behind the lyrics were inspired by a friend of mine who went to the beach every day and swam in the ocean felt like it was a holistic experience. And she was a very sexual being. And she had said to me one day, Oh, I, Lizzie, I just, I need to be ravished on a daily basis. And I was like, okay. And I thought I have to write, I have to write something about this. So I started writing about her, but then after Greg made some changes and he made the song sound a little bouncier, a little more Dap Kings esque, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of moved away from that idea, the original inspiration and started writing instead about kind of walking through the streets of Brooklyn or sitting at a bar and pondering your existence and all the, you know, all the things you thought were going to go right that went wrong and, and why are things happening? But while at the same time, pondering these things on a grand scale, observing what's happening around me and people talking at the bar, the what the rain on the streets that kind of thing this back and forth between being present and abstract and so yeah and there it just was born that night and I kept the original title mermaid even though it didn't end up being about my friend because she was the original inspiration and I I don't think we would have gotten to 
where that song is without her original influence on me so very cool and you used another great word ravish so we've got proxy we have ravish so you really i mean that thesaurus is really doing its work hey english major you know what what can i say very clearly (laughs) our our audience may have to look up stuff for this podcast that may be a first brian what do you think hey it could be maybe (laughs) with our album i'll include a little pocket dictionary keywords We just link www.thesaurus.com. Yeah. If you have trouble understanding the lyrics, go here. Oh, I don't know. That sounds very snobby to me. I don't think I'm going to do that. But now I'm looking at you have two potential <laughs> sponsorships, Makers Mark and Thesaurus. You're right. Thesaurus.com. Yeah. Where See, you at? Who is your business manager? I need to talk to them. I know. Maybe it's you. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's me. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed your career in music. Good luck to whatever else you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to be a professional Sade uh, cover band. You're definitely yeah. hired from my Indiana first week. Sade, okay. Sade tribute band. Sade, yeah. Sade tribute band. Awesome. I love where this is going. <laughs> so we always ask our guests, like, what, um, in your part of the world and, you know, wherever they're in New York City, like, who are the other artists, bands that you have some camaraderie with? uh like who might be someone that that we might like that we haven't heard of um nobody they all are they're all terrible no i'm kidding (laughs) um i have so uh there is a bit i'm like why can't i think of my friends who are in bands um there's a band called the tall pines um that's really great um and i met them from singing in the losers lounge um which is like a variety show that happens at Joe's Pub and and all sorts of singers from all over New York City and walks of life participate in the show and and they're great actually they're they're mostly a duo now um and the singer Connie sings and and plays has maracas and plays a drum with the maracas and it's like the most amazing thing I've ever seen and heard and then and then her bandmate plays guitar and it just they have a really cool like gritty but like southern rock kind of rootsy sound um i am also a big fan of uh sarah wise is a great singer who she used to sing back up in my band um and she's got a little bit of like a soulful r&b lucinda thing happening um she's great and I'm like, who else do we team up with? Because it's been so long since I played gigs with any bands, other bands in New York City. Right, right. Bill, I'm just like, what? Um, I have a friend named Mel Johnston, who's in a band called uh, Mel and the Tall Boys. Um, and they're great, too. And, and we've done a bunch of gigs together also. Um, oh, and last but definitely not least, Kelly Swindle, which I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's definitely part of this 10 ton mojo east village circle and my drummer steve plays with her as well okay she's great we'll check her out you guys sure. definitely check her out she cool. is country but like badass country and she's really good not bro country we're talking like good country yeah classic country or... yeah good country okay What's her name again? oh kelly swindle it's k-e-l-l-e-y and then s-w-i N-D-A-L-L. Okay, cool. 
And it's real interesting what's going on with this New York scene. Like Brian and I have been talking to different artists from these different pockets. We spend a lot of time with people in Kentucky. There's a heck of a music scene going on in Kentucky, particularly southwestern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York is crazy. You know, we've spoken to Jane Lee Hooker, Rob Flores. Oh, yes. Uh, Jane Lee Hooker. I Jane love Lee Jane Hooker. Lee Hooker. That's yeah, they're your buddies. I mean, you guys I follow each other of. on social media. I see that. We do. And we used, we played some shows together, too. I, they're oh. They're amazing. We had the breeze on, so we had the guitar players on the breeze. Oh, cool! Yeah, it was and Tracy, they're great, great people. I the last time I played a show with them, I remember going up to them and saying, "If you ever need a backup singer or someone to sell merch, I'm like just anything. I'm like, let me do something. Let me stand in the corner and play a shaker. I love you guys so much. Whatever I can do, I can just like get you water. Like I'll be your water girl. Whatever you want." I, I love them so much. They're great. Did, did you yeah, know, sure. like, Dana, before she got in that band, was she in the, like, was she, like, well-known as a singer in New York City, or? I I didn't know her, but I was probably living under a rock, so I wouldn't, I was probably, like, crying and listening to Kate Bush and smoking too much weed at that point, so. <laughs> Kate um, Bush, wow, Kate Bush. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, yes, I love her. I, I I always say, oh, I went you, I went through a big Kate Bush phase, but I think I'm still in it. I don't think I ever got out of it. <laughs> but um, I mean, I, this, the first time I ever saw her, I was blown away. So, um, and, I, and this was a while ago. I mean, this must have been like two, 2014, 2013 when I first saw them play. Um, so I was still just kind of getting my feet wet a little bit in as far as the scene and like, knowing who was who and and all that um but then she also sang in les zeppelin for a minute oh, yeah um and shannon conley who sang in that band too is is also an amazing uh singer part of the same crew so uh, she's got a band called supersonic blonde shannon conley does she's great. sonic blonde that sounds familiar maybe hmm. yeah um, she's got a lot of the guys in her band are also in that band are also in Jesse's girl. I don't know if you know that eighties cover band. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I love that. There are a lot of, I think I was nervous at first entering the music scene or trying to get to know everybody, but now I feel like I know so many powerful female singers in this scene that are just amazing and the best part is we all support each other there's no cattiness or fighting or any it's like like you'll see on social media we're all just like love you fire like go get them like and it's really it's really nice because that's what we should be doing and not not competing with each other we should be lifting each other up so i feel very lucky to know all these lovely ladies that's a perfect segue into one a question that brian likes to ask about the community uh yes yeah i mean we always ask that like you know especially with you know, most of the bands we talked to are down southeast and there's super camaraderie and bond and support and all that um we did find out you know kind of word on the street a little bit like la i guess is kind of catty and kind of Sue mm. one person's perceptions i don't you don't know for a fact but I know like a lot of the people, a lot of the guys in the Southeast, they're really they're good friends with uh, Robert John and the Wreck. Um, but I guess there are some other bands in LA that are kind of, I'm cooler than you, but I don't know. I just probably my misinterpretation, but so it's cool to hear yeah. that in New York City, there's such a 
you know, a bonding scene. Cause I always reference, um, you know, uh, uh, Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl, when he did the Sonic Highways thing and he mm. was, he was talking about his time in Seattle, which we also ended up finding out that, that, um, apparently the, the camaraderie that Dave Grohl talked about in Seattle might've been exaggerated a bit, but he, <laughs> at that time in, in that series, he had talked to somebody in New York city. I don't know if it was one of the Ramones or if it was Paul Stanley or something, but like in the seventies, I guess he used to be like really, really cutthroat in New York city. But so it's so nice to hear that, that you guys there in such a big city have that, that camaraderie and support yeah. and family vibe. It's cool. I mean, I think you'll get, you'll get a little of both. I mean, first of all, being catty is such an LA thing. I don't think that will ever change. I love LA, but you know, even my friends that live there will say the same thing, but um you know, I think I've experienced both parts of that. I've experienced feeling like I'm left out of a clique or I'm not part of the cool club or like I've got to somehow bend over backwards to kiss someone's ass just so that I can play a certain venue. And I think there's a lot of that you can just, a lot of it depends on how much credence you want to give those kind of people. And you can fall victim to that and try to ingratiate yourself in that crew or you can surround yourself with people that are supportive and talented and 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 I think it 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 didn't start out that way for me but I found people that are just unbelievably supportive and we write together and we send each other songs that we're demos we're recording give each other feedback and I mean it just really it feels great and, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And it is nice. I mean, it is a tough city and it's competitive, but we're not trying to steal gigs from each other. I, I think it's the opposite. We're trying to get each other gigs. And mm-hmm. I'm actually doing a show on June 5th um, at the Sugar Hill Supper Club in Brooklyn. That's going to be a blues and country review of sorts with a lot of guest singers. And Kelly is headlining it, Kelly Swindle. And I remember my friend organizing it wanted someone country to headline it. And I, I've never even, I think I met Kelly in person once, but we're active on social media. And I immediately swooped in and was like, Kelly, 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 you've got to get Kelly, get Kelly, book Kelly. So, and that's happened in reverse too. So it's, I think it's really important and it just makes you, makes everything better. It makes the, the energy in the, in the music scene better, the shows better, the experience better. I mean, the, the negativity is just, that's a, old news um i'm over that those Good. people can can all go play those shitty venues that don't pay anybody they can have it <laughs> so when you're out there back touring like even like before covid now after like how far do you go like where you know besides around in you know in new york city so usually we'll do a little east coast thing so we'd go up to boston and then as far down um, as South Carolina um, <clears throat> and then back, you know, kind of do a loop and go through D.C. and and Richmond and, and a bunch of places. Um, and then every year we, we usually would go to South by Southwest. So we would fly to Austin and then play a bunch of places in Austin and tech and Houston and kind of around there. And then. After, after before that Greg and I would go to LA and we have a little LA band there although I don't know if I'm going to keep using them but um, <laughs> we have a little LA band there and then Greg and I would do a little 
a West Coast thing where we do LA and San Diego and sometimes go all the way up to San Francisco. Um, so we would sometimes tack the, the South. Oh, and New Orleans too. We would play there in conjunction with the Texas thing. So we try to connect as much of it together as possible, but everybody has other commitments too. So kind of the idea of going on the road for a month doesn't really happen, but we'll do little legs kind of spread out from each other. I still haven't gone to Chicago. Probably you, well received in Chicago. I, I, I hope so. I Do you guys so. hit some blues festivals during that those legs? Uh, we played Pleasantville Music, or yeah, we. Well, it wasn't a blues festival. We played this blues festival. Where was it? Somewhere in in Connecticut, Westport Westport Blues Festival. We pl- we've played that before. Um, we haven't really played any proper blues festivals. We played Pleasantville Music Festival, um, which was great. But, you know, we we do a lot of blues and like in our set we will inc- include a lot of traditional blues, mm-hmm. but our songwriting kind of tends towards not traditional blues. And right. so it's mm-hmm. got a little bit more rockier, like you yeah. got the jazz blues, but a lot more rock, I would I would call yeah. it. Yeah. But I would love to just even put a band together just to play blues festivals and just sing all Freddie King. Or with Jane Lee Hooker. Day. Yeah, true. You, know, you right. guys can tour together. It'd be a hell of a show. That's true. I'll just be like, hey, be my band too. And we'll call See? something else. Perfect, right? Okay. And then, yeah, then you can get them water when they're performing or towels or whatever. You, <laughs> whatever they need, run their merch. I love this idea. I'm going to totally email Dana after this and suggest it. See, that would be fantastic. I mean, you guys, I mean, your sounds would mesh really well, but of course you guys, I think can fit into a lot of different genres playing, yeah. you know, like, especially, you know, um, I want to go back to the New York scene a little bit. Yes. It's very surprising to me. And I've said this last couple of guests we've had on from New York that there's such a thriving rock, blues rock, Southern rock scene in New York city. Cause I would have never expect New York to have that going on like yeah. why do you why I mean why do you think that's thriving and that type of music's really really doing well it's a really good question I mean I I don't even know that there's like a scientific explanation for it I mean for me it just feels like that's when I sing that's what I sing I just, it just feels natural and, and so I don't know if it's just a timing thing and there just happened to be a bunch of us that feel a connection with that kind of music and we're making it and we all happen to be here or if it's just that people right now want music that makes them feel something and music that weeps a little bit and uh you know makes you scream in a good way and a bad way and and not just kind of cookie cutter we're gonna feed you this and you're gonna like it kind of stuff real emotional kind of OG expression, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, if you're going to tell me, hey, where do you think you would go? What kind of cities are going to have this type of music? Like New York City is not, not probably yeah. in my, it's not in my top five and yeah. probably not in my top 10 because I would say, hey, indie rock or hip hop and R&B or, you know, right. more show tunes, but Southern rock and blues rock, holy crap. Like, yeah, I, I mean, know. you guys are killing it more than Chicago. Those Brian's were in the Seapwater band, they're from Chicago and some other yeah. place, you know, it's just, it's amazing stuff. It's a really hot pocket. It's almost like a hidden, hidden gem. Yeah. Well, well, I hope people look a little deeper and find. That's it. where we're, this <laughs> podcast is all about spreading. You know, a lot of bands who don't probably yeah. have an opportunity for mainstream 
to do it because Brian is a huge music fan, especially the genre. He started the podcast to get people out there that he liked. And like, it's just, it's just weird. We fall into this thing with so many bands from New York and even, uh, I don't know if you know him, but Andy Aldor, who's, Oh yeah. 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 Like we've had Andy on, you know, who's journalist and plays in his own band has taught stuff for, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, and it, it's weird. I mean, like for me, I, you know, I grew up going to jazz clubs and and heavily influenced by my dad and his music taste. He loved Leonard Skinner and he loved Freddie King and he loved, um, you know, a lot of blues and jazz. But you know, I, again, it's like I don't know if that's just fate that maybe all our parents raised us listening to that music or or how we all found ourselves here. But there does seem to be a place for it there seem to be places that want to be on the musician's side. I mean, I'm playing these gigs in Red Hook right now that are pretty much all blues and they've closed down the end of the street and Reed street and play in a tent and, and people are outside in the street dancing and it's all blues and soul and jazz and people that's, you know, it's not just what I want to play or what everybody else wants to play, but that's what people seem to want to hear right now. So I don't know. I, if I could explain it, I probably would have tried to make it happen, force it to happen a lot sooner than it is. But here we are. And, and I feel lucky to know so many great people. There are just also so many great musicians here. And, and I think with places being closed, a lot of us have started reaching out to each other and collaborating a little more. And like you said before, I think a scene is, is part of it. I think a community is part of it. You can all be operating you know, according to your own egos and that's not really going to get you anywhere. But once you start really supporting each other, I think that translates to the rest of the people who are listening to your music. So I don't know. Yeah. It's just what crazy. <laughs> well, I, well, I mean, it's just funny because, you know, we've had 10 ton mojo on who looks like a Southern rock band and rock yeah. band. And we found out about them at the Arlene's grocery benefit show because we were watching our friends at Jane Lee Hooker. And then we saw this right. band like, holy shit, these guys look like a Southern yeah. rock band or hard rock band. Where'd these yeah. guys come from? And then, you know, we find about, out about you from Rob and, you know, Andy of course knows everybody and everything. And it's just, I mean, I'm just amazed by the yeah. whole thing. And it just makes me want to go visit New York and see all yeah. you guys, all you guys different plays. Yeah. Well, now that things are getting better with COVID, my family's vaccinated, like, you know, shows are starting to come back. I think it would be a good opportunity at some point. Yeah. My daughter really wants to see New York City. So Aww. yeah. She'll love it. Yeah. My wife and I have talked about it too. So yeah, well, I'd love to. Yeah. Oh, I like your I just noticed that's a Leonard Skinner poster. Oh yeah. This is my Leonard Skinner tattoo. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. It's probably oh, yeah, it's a nothing fancy. 38 special? Yeah. <laughs> You've got some good tats on. Like, what are, what are your tats? Um, well, so we talked about my grandfather being an opera singer. So that's Madam Butterfly right there. Oh, cool. Wow. And that's that, like, that's super, like, good quality. Tattoo. Yeah. Yes. My lady is amazing. Amy Shapiro. She now lives in Denver. She left me. But that's okay. I just have to go play in Colorado now and get a tattoo. Uh, this is my traffic tattoo from when the cover of when the eagle flies. Yeah, no kidding. Mm-hmm. This is my Billie Holiday tattoo. That's her right there. Nice, Pretty cool. Um, this is a Black Crows tattoo. Oh my goodness, Brian! 
<laughs> that's our favorite bands, Black Crows. I love them so much. Oh, that's how we, I mean, that's how we found, you know, got Rob on because yeah. of his, his connection. And then, of course, John Popper and everybody else he's played with at the same time. But yes, but you've got some awesome tats. So if you ever go to Dayton, Ohio and play okay. a show, yes, we had the band Cricket Bows on, which is a pretty, really, a really cool band out of, out of that area. Uh, the lead singer, the lead guy in that band has his own tattoo shop. He's a really, really talented artist. He does album covers and he'll hook you up. Cool. Yay. Cause I, let me know. I, let me know. We'll make the oh, connection. Do you want to see my, uh, my mermaid tattoo that I got yeah. for the single? Sorry, this is now becoming a different, a different <laughs> show. I don't know. If Maybe, you can... Yeah. Well, that's very intricate as well. Holy Isn't crap. Cool? Yeah. Was it the same same lady who's done your other ones? No, this is a new lady okay. that I started going to. She's very expensive. I don't know if I'm going to go back. Well, I mean, those look like, <laughs> I mean, the quality of those, they look like drawings. Like, you know, I mean, so good. I mean, it, it's it's important. They're there forever. So it's worth the money to get a good one, I think. <laughs> true, true. Good point. I've seen some really bad tattoos, like five years later, they're faded and what are you going to do spend more money to cover it up yeah so we're just finishing my wife's tattoo removal from something she got on spring break in college really what is it what, what is she getting <laughs> it started <laughs> it started out as a little gecko thing kind of like on her back right hip like buttocks hip not like a tramp stamp but over yeah and then it was really bad so she went when she was back either in columbus must have been Miami, Miami, Oxford, Miami, Ohio in college and got a more of a cartoony like lizard with like wings, almost like a little baby dragonish looking thing. And then just never liked it. Yeah. And I'll remember the first time her parents found out she had a tattoo. We were we had just gotten married and we're living in Dayton and her and her mother were working in a flower bed. So she was bent over and like her pants had hiked down a little bit. Her dad walked by and goes, what is that? <laughs> That's how my mom saw my first tattoo. 26 yeah. or 27, maybe? I was 18, and my friends in college were all getting their tongues and noses pierced, and I didn't want to do that, so I got a tattoo instead. And uh, my mom said to me, she said, tattoos are like cats. If you have one tattoo, it's not a big deal. A lot of people have one tattoo. If you have two tattoos, it's a lot, but like, it's Okay. Some people have two tattoos, but you have three tattoos and you're, and you're the cat lady. So, so, uh, yeah. But your tats are super well done. Very cool. Have- like there's a good story behind them and I don't have any Thanks. tats. I never, I could never figure out what I'd want permanently on my body. Like earlier on, I'm like, I'll get my old baseball number on or I just have one band. What, what do that? you got? Yeah. What do you got? Well, it's a wolf, but it's a cartoon one. Oh, he's but- so cute. I'm like a huge wolf fanatic. He's a so wolf and dog guy. Actual... Brian is a big animal sweetheart. Oh, I love that. Yeah, but I want to get a, like a lifelike or a more accurate one. Yeah. Hey, got a lot of canvas on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, For sure. But, Time's yeah, a waste and let's go. Well, <laughs> I'm not getting anything after going through the experience of like all the stuff with my wife. And yeah. Cost. I... I'm, I'm okay not doing it. I always recommend to people, this is what I found works for me, um, is if I have an idea, I wait three months. And if three months from when I had that idea, I still want it, then I get it. Because there are so many times where I have an idea and I think this is great. And then two months later or so, I think, oh, God, no, like, (laughs) this is not a good idea anymore. I'm glad I didn't get it. So, you know, there's no harm in, you can wait your whole life 
you'll find the right tattoo. So it's very mature. It. That's a very <laughs> mature thing, especially for a professional artist. Thanks. <laughs> like that wolf. What happened, Brian? Did you fall uh, yeah. down? No. Did he help? Showing a wolf. Oh, the, the wolf. Okay. Next tattoo. Yeah. I like I that. Do, well, Brian, I do have a three wolves howling at the moon shirt that people at work got me a long yeah, got time ago. And I hang it in my office for inspiration. Aww. For power. <laughs> Are you familiar with three wolves howling at the moon t-shirt, Lizzie? Yes, I am. Okay. Very good. I, like I almost got a three wolves howling at the moon thing to hang in my apartment. See? Well, that's what you do. You get the shirt and you hang it. And then if you ever want to wear it, you've got it right there. Um, ooh, cool. So you really do like wolves, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just have guitars hanging up and some of my band show CD release stuff. That's all I have. But you both have cool backgrounds. I just have, I have weird pictures. Yeah, this maybe. is purposely for the podcast. Yeah, smart. We try and look cool. And this is when I'm working too. This is where I sit. So people at work think I'm a lot cooler than I am because they see all the guitars and stuff. I'm like, what? The guy from Cricket Bows that Jason was talking about did uh, one of the Steepwater Bands album covers. Oh, cool. The one before oh, cool. Turn on the Wheel called Shake Your Faith. Okay, I'll look it up. So Jason, it's a cool we... band too. Check out, you, should, you would like Cricket Bows if you check okay. them out. If you're looking for a new new recommendation. And the Steepwater Always. Band. And the Steepwater Band. Correct. Is that part of, are we getting towards that part of the show? You tell me, man. This is your yeah. podcast. Time for the I'm lightning s- round. Lizzie, so we always oh. like to end our show with the lightning rounds. Just quick questions. Uh, first thing that comes to your mind type of stuff. A little bit of fun. So just giving you a forewarning. So I'm to take it. <laughs> you should be. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> now comes the really good questions. All right. You are from New York. You grew up in Manhattan. Now you live in Brooklyn. So this is a big question. This is important. You don't blow it. All right. Mets or Yankees? Yankees. Uh, wah, wah. I was born into it. That's okay. We'll accept that answer. Okay. <laughs> My brother told me I wasn't his sister unless I switched to it. I was a like Mets Yankees? fan in 1986 because they're all strawberries on the Mets. And I like strawberries. I was four. Healthy. Older brother said, "You're not my sister unless you're a Yankees fan." And I was four, so I so I listened to him, and okay. I I switched in the year the Mets won the World Series. So that's you okay. Go. You were okay. forced into my family, you know. We'll let you slide on that. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> All right, Rangers or Islanders? Rangers. Okay. All right. Good. Does anybody still like the Islanders? People from Long Island, I guess. Yes. All right. <laughs> So are you a Nets fan or a Knicks fan? I, I don't, Knicks. Well, because what the Nets are in Brooklyn now, right? The Nets are in Brooklyn now, but I grew up a Knicks fan, but I also swore off basketball in 1996. We don't need to go there. Oh, because of Chicago and New York. Okay. So I kind of just stopped watching basketball, but if I had to pick a team, it would be the Knicks. So we, when we had Steve Gorman on a few months ago, I talked sports with him because obviously he had a radio show and I love sports. And I said, what is the coolest sporting event you've seen live and in person? He talked about actually um, the dunk that John um, Starks did oh, in the playoff yeah. game. Yeah. Brian, remember uh, that? Yeah. He was sitting uh, under the basket when it happened. That's so cool. Um, look, look how many things you're connected to on this podcast. It's amazing. <laughs> Who is your favorite blues artist? 
Freddie King. Oh, old school. Well, I, from your yeah. dad and all that, I, w- I would assume that's kind of that's a good that's a good. Uh, can you sing "I'm Your King B"? And is that one of his King B? Yeah, and he did. He I just found a song of his that I didn't know he did called "Like My Credit Didn't Go Through." That's awesome. Hmm. I, feel, I feel like I can personally relate to it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Any professional musician can relate to that. I think. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty good subject. But he was most known, I think, like his biggest song is "Going Down." And and I love his version of, of same old blues. Yes. But. Our buddy Andy Alador did a history of rock music for the True Fire YouTube channel, which is like all these five to seven minute things. He talked he's did one a little bit on some of the blues and talked and spoke to Freddie King's guitar yeah. stuff. Oh god. And he's amazing. amazing. He's just an amazing dude. He's a his nickname is the Texas Cannonball. Really? I didn't know that. Brian, did you know that? Yeah. Of course. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, he, see, Brian's a historian. I'm just, I'm just the, you know, I'm the color commentary. Yeah. <laughs> What's the first album you remember getting or buying yourself? Um, it was Janet Jackson Rhythm Nation. Nice. That's a classic. What was your favorite her. song off that album? Um, probably the the title track. Title track Rhythm yeah. Nation, yeah. That was a hell of a music video too. Yeah, I remember that. What was the first concert that you went to? Uh, Ray Charles when I was five. Wow. Who else? Didn't we have somebody else say Ray Charles, Brian? Was that the guys in Greasy Tree? Or no, it was someone else. Was it Noah Hunt? Yeah, there you go. Maybe from the Kenny Wayne Shepherd band. Yeah, I think yeah. Noah Hunt said that. You guys might have been at the same show. Maybe, possible. yeah. <laughs> What is your favorite concert that you've ever gone to? Um, that's really hard, but I have to say I went to see uh, David Gilmore at Radio City Music Hall with one of my best friends. And they had, it was for the, the Rattle That Lock. It was that tour for that uh, David Gilmore album, which he played like the first three songs from that album, but then did all Pink Floyd. And they had the original um you know, lights from the original Pink Floyd tour, like the the video screen that's a circle with all the lights on it going like this. And it was my, I mean, it was mind blowing. I cried. I like, it was just great. And I was so with really good company too. So. So you're a big Floyd fan? Yes. What's your favorite Floyd album? Um, Wish You Were Here. Nice. What's your favorite song? Shine On You Crazy Diamond. Oh, nice. Very good. That's wow. One and two. Yeah. You were you were a part. You <laughs> you were ready for those. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're obviously a Black Crows fan, given the tattoo. Mm-hmm. What is the if you could pick? What is your optimal Black Crows lineup? Oh, that's hard. Of course, it's all up to everybody's individual taste. I mean, I would want Rob in there, of course. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, nobody can replace Ed, and he'll even admit right. that. But you got, but you right. got to have Robin because he's your bandmate. But I don't think Rob. Uh, Rob is better than the guy they got to replace Rob. I'm not a fan. Oh, of, really? Of the guy that played for the Crows and then the Chris Robinson Brotherhood. Oh, uh, who is that? Adam McDougal. Oh, right, right. Because I, I had a really awkward experience where I got to meet all of them at the peak radio station in Westchester and they were playing the Capitol theater. And I was so nervous and I, and I took a picture and I'm standing next to Chris Robinson and he goes, is that a lobster tattoo? And I was like, yeah. and then I just 
<laughs> but he was there, yeah. Um, I like, so I saw them at Bowery Ballroom when they did their secret show. And I like, they had Tim Lefebvre on bass and he was great. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Keep him around. That was just, what, a year and a half ago, right? When yeah. Renouncing re- the whole new thing when they had the guys from Earthless. And yeah. Everything else? Okay. Yeah. yeah but but that's actually, not your optimal. You're just, you're just saying that. They got Sven back. So. They got, they did get Sven back. I mean, my I, my optimal Black Crows lineup would be the two brothers and then my band backing them. Ooh, okay. <laughs> well, because again, Rob's already played with them, you know, some of the songs, so you could do it. All right. What's your, do you have a favorite Crows song or Crows album? Um, no. no. I mean, I love, she, like, She Talks to Angels always gets me, sure. always. But I just love it all. I just so the lyrics and she talks to angels are, are she talks to angels good then you approve. Yeah, yes, yes, I approve. If you could sing any black crow's song, uh, go up on stage and sing with them, what would you choose? Um, I know. Maybe the same one. Okay. Right. I'm more of a sentimental That's fair. Black Crows fan. Like, I still can't believe Rich wrote that in high school and he was just messing around with tunings got an open e and just figure all that stuff out that's that's impressive i love that song so much there's Super another cool. song i sang i sang a black crow song or a show once that was really great and i can't remember which one it was hmm. what's wrong uh oh um twice as hard oh there you go yeah i like that one i would sing that one <laughs> when my daughter was learning to play guitar I taught her to play that open G with a slide. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Awesome. She's like seven or eight years old. Wow. Playing that lick. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's just because they're touring Shake Your Money Maker, but that's a the whole album is just. Banger Album is a great album. Great album. And it's my like, third favorite album, probably theirs, but I, it's, it's a fantastic album. What's your first favorite album? Oh, Southern Harmony Music for me. Oh, okay. I mean, that whole album is just a masterpiece, and I like Amorica. Yeah. I think, you know, those those two albums are just yeah. like peak, peak of anything they've done. They're just all good. They're just all just... good. Everything's great. <laughs> what is the greatest live performance you've ever seen? Um, can it be Ty? Sure. Uh, I, it's tied between Sharon Jones and Erica Badu, both at Jazz Fest and like 2009 or something. Nice, Erica Badu. I haven't heard that name in a long time. She, like, because I grew up, you know, listening to her in the 90s and was like, oh, she's great. But live blew my mind. I mean, she just out of this world. And her whole band and her her singers and, like, everything was just incredible. And it was unexpected. You know, I wasn't expecting right expecting it. So it really... Well, that's why I asked that question that. too, because yeah. your favorite concert's not always your favorite live performance, True. or best live performance that you've True. ever seen either. True. Which is your favorite place to eat in your home hometown? Um, probably. I'm like, which places are still open? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say everything's normal, back to normal. Brian and I are coming in. The visit you're like you gotta go try so and so oh you gotta go try well i would probably say actually i'm gonna say there's this new place that i love 
that's across the street from me in Brooklyn called Pasta Louise. Okay. And they make all their own pasta from scratch. And it's like the most delicious thing I've ever had. Nice. So Sauce is good as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Everything is really good. That would be the new place. And then an old place, I would say, um, no, there are too many places. They're all good. You can't. Well, you're in a great place for like cultures <laughs> and different things. You know? I'm outside of Columbus, Ohio. Brian's in Fargo, North Dakota. So yeah. we don't have quite the assortment. Yeah. But I would possibly safe bet. And and after that, I would say uh, Defara's Pizza. Okay. It's New York style pizza. The Okay. Yeah. You get a big slice, you fold it in half. Yeah. All right. Do you go with this cheese or what's the top? What's the go-to topping? Oh yeah. I just do. I just go plain. Sometimes pepperoni. Okay. All right. Yeah. What is your favorite venue to play at? That's so hard. <laughs> we ask the tough questions. Cause I'm like, is it my favorite based on experience or favorite based on how much money they pay us. It's an open question. (laughs) Like you choose what favorite means. Um, Right now, my favorite venue to play is hometown barbecue in Red Hook. All right. And it sounds like they probably have some excellent eats at the same time. Yes. It's also a place where you should definitely go eat. But since I, I've, I've eaten too much of that stuff. So I like barbecue. Brian, you like barbecue? Really, really good. Okay. It's really, really good. I eat it pretty much four days a week. So we will check it out when we get to okay. that New York swing to see all of our <laughs> New York band friends play. Yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite artist or group that you've actually played with? So support open for you. Um, we opened for one festival. We opened for Robert Randolph and the family band. Nice. Nice. That was really cool. And I love that. And I love Sister Randolph. I mean, Robert's great and cute and all, but Sister Randolph's badass. She's amazing and really nice too. So well, that's all always good to hear. Same time. Yeah. Yeah. What's an artist or group you play with with, if given the chance? Like somebody said, Hey, we want you to come up for a night, play with us for a night. Who would you choose? Black Crows, come on. All right. All right. Well, we already went through some of the songs. You'd sing, you'd do Talks to Angel twice yeah. as hard. Maybe okay. Jealous Again. Maybe I'll just do the whole, I'll just do the whole album. Well, they quit touring with the background singers. So you could fill in too with like on the stuff Perfect. for Remedy and all the stuff. And like, All right. Uh, I love this. I love this idea. <laughs> you and Dana. Yes. Dana. Brian, we're going to have to get a hold of Chris and Rich and, and tell yeah. them they're going to yeah. have what's to what's take up. Lizzie. All right. Great. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> you're a big, you're a big judge of, of lyrics and like lyrics. What is one song that you wish you'd written yourself? Um, there's so many. Um, I'm going to go a little bit left field here and say, um, Famous Blue Raincoat by Leonard Cohen. Oh, wow. Leonard Cohen song. So you could play yeah. piano. Yeah. But I just also, there's something about that song in particular in those lyrics that just Speak to you. tear my heart out. Yeah. Okay. What is the best song that you've written? They're all amazing. No. Um, 
the, no, the one that you listen to, you're like, wow, that's just, that's actually good. I can't believe I wrote that. I would say maybe on our, well, I want to say all the ones on our new album, go check it out. But um, I'm particularly proud of a song called Melancholy Hill. That's on our um, latest EP called Meanwhile. That I think is really. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Yes. Yeah. Who is a favorite singer or inspiration to you as a singer? Um, um, Billie Holiday. That's you've got the tattoo. That would make sense. Yeah. What's your favorite book? My favorite book is Kurt called, Vonnegut. Yeah, I was gonna say it's either Cat's Cradle or Breakfast of Champions. I really like Bre- Breakfast of Champions. That one. Breakfast of Champions, a.k.a. the Wheaties story. Right, exactly. Do you remember that Wheaties? Do you remember the cereal Wheaties was always yes. the Breakfast of Champions? Yes. <laughs> Comedy like this is why Brian has me on the podcast. It's just, you know, very professional. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we're, we're working towards the end here oh, right now. Wait, so no, you're I almost change, off the hook. Yeah, go I ahead. I change my answer. My favorite okay. book is Sound and the Fury by William Faulkner. Oh, cool. That's, a, that's, a, that's pretty rad, actually. Mm-hmm. second favorite is like all Vonnegut okay <laughs> have you seen the movie um back to school with Ronnie Dangerfield yes I have Kurt Vonnegut's in that oh he is I, yeah, mean, I haven't so, seen that movie in like 20 years well, Ronnie Dangerfield has to write a book report on Kurt Vonnegut and like he gets a bad grade on it and he takes it and he throws it like to this guy and he's like Vonnegut, I'm not going to pay you. So it's Kurt Vonnegut there. He's like, oh, shit. So he does a cameo in that. I got to go rewatch that. Yeah, you do. It's funny. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's why I always remember Kurt Vonnegut, just because that stupid movie. Oh, that's funny. All right. What is a guilty pleasure song or artist for you? Um, Guilty pleasure. I'm going to say Dua Lipa. I kind of just, whenever her songs come on, I'm like, I love it. I like don't know. Pop, I just that, like it. It just makes me happy. I pop is always a good it. choice for guilty pleasures. But on paper, I wouldn't think that's something I would listen to. Or And I have a lot of friends. That but it's a guilty can. pleasure, though. It's, it's not usually right. something in so your I wheelhouse do. or in your favorites. Right. So I, I do feel guilty about how much I... I love it. <laughs> you know what? Nobody should feel guilty about good music. Anything you like, you know, that's you like, you like. <laughs> music subjective, but that's good. Um, okay. So do you, because of COVID, there wasn't a whole lot of live music going on this last year, year or so. Is there any performance or concert that you'll watch online like YouTube or somewhere else to, to bring back that experience and make you feel like, you know, you're back out there watching live music or inspire you to play live. Um, you mean like old, even something old, anything, anything, you know, uh, I YouTube mean, has I, everything. I watch as much of stop making sense as I possibly oh, okay. can. Yeah, every day. Talking heads. Yeah. Yeah. And I just watched the whole thing again recently. So I would say that one for sure. That's a good one. Oh, I, yeah. My wife's a big talking heads fan. I've seen that in a while. So we're probably due to watch it again. Yeah. You should watch it at least once a day, I think. <laughs> I don't need to work. Just, just watch the talking heads. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. My last question is a little bit of a longer, longer one because it's more okay. of a story. But give us a good performance or tour story, uh, something that sticks out in your mind. It's like, man, that's just a great, great thing to tell. Could it be good? Could it be bad? Could it be funny? Jane Lee Hooker walked on an orgy. Like you, you name it. Like, <laughs> it, you know, Rob Flores went to a party with Marilyn Manson and Eminem. I mean, there's all you know. You can go anywhere with this. Um. Well, I have a great Jeff Beck story. Yeah. Oh, Jeff Beck. Fantastic. I love that guy. Great guitarist. So, but I wasn't playing. I was just a fan with the show. Does that count? Or I was working Absolutely. the show. I was sure. working the show. So I was working a show and he was playing two nights at the Capitol Theater in Port Chester, New York. And my boss happened to be out of town. So I I was running the box office and sometimes had to go backstage and there was a definite after party hang happening after the first show. And the tour manager took a liking to me. So he asked if it would be okay if I hung out with them. And since my boss wasn't there, the guy who's taken his place said, okay. So it was me and a bunch of like, plastic surgery ladies from Greenwich and Jeff Beck sat next to me and held my hand and was like please don't leave me alone with these women because I get you know like I'm looking like like this with tattoos and stuff she was like please and um we like hung out in the green room and partied or whatever and then the next day for his next show he wouldn't get off the he wouldn't get off the bus until I got on the bus to to have a beer with him to do the show, which I thought was cool. Nice. Just making impressions on people everywhere yeah. you go. I don't know. I love that story. I could also tell like horror stories, but he sounds like a good dude though. I mean, this guy's been around forever, he's rock guitar royalty. Like yeah. to see that he's like relatively cool dude. That's good to hear. He's really nice and he talked about how much he loves watching Locked Up Abroad. That was his big <laughs> thing. And yeah, you know, I think sometimes you're tour a lot and you're on the road a lot and you're you don't you see a lot of people but maybe nobody you really connect with or anything like that or maybe you're forced into a lot of social situations that you don't want to be in and I think maybe I was just a kindred spirit well he's probably afraid of those ladies because they look like the women from that that old movie Brazil where they have all that crazy you know plastic surgery yeah, they were terrifying and they were like putting their boobs at me. I'm like, oh, Jeff, blah, blah, blah. And he just, just had like, Liz, don't leave. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, speaking of making impressions on, on people everywhere you go, you've certainly made an impression on us. Like, you're Aww. very gracious. Thanks for coming on. Thank um, you. you know, Thank you so much. You're you. gracious the first time we reached out to you about wanting to come on and do a quick hitter. And by the way, you are still welcome to come on and do the video quick hitter. For your next song when your album Yay. comes out so anytime you want we'd be more happy to have you on because Thank you saved you. Our, our rear ends and you know and you were cool to talk to so uh, you're cool that. to talk to too i'm like come on we're, let's go get beers what's happening when i go to new york and brian and i go to new york we will absolutely <laughs> have beers for sure and we'll meet Yay. your drummer so he can talk about playing with sade so my wife can be impressed by that sounds like a great plan and thanks for having me guys you're welcome so where do we go to get your merch find out what you're playing What's the best place to find out information about Lizzie and the Makers? Um, you can go to our website, um, www.lizzieandthemakers.com. But if you are on social media, I would say that 
Instagram is actually probably Instagram. I post a lot, video clips, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, we just post uh, all the shows we play, we post on there. Any merch we're selling, we post on there. We make all of our song announcements on there. Um, and that is also just at Lizzie and the Makers. And that's uh, how I found out about you guys, because Rob had posted on there. Of course, we follow Rob, and I'm like, holy shit, Rob, how many bands are you in? I'm like, this band <laughs> is awesome. Who are these people? And like Brian and I were talking, we're like, we got to get them on the show uh, because mm-hmm. just, you know, it blew us away for some of you guys. Oh, thanks. Huh. Well, you heard it, Lizzie in the makers.com. Brian, over to you. Well, Lizzie, thank you so much for coming on. It means a lot to us. And you've just been a pleasure to talk to. And, you know, we're just blowing our minds with all these um, seven degrees of separation or less from, <laughs> from great musicians. And, and, about that and my wedding. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, so yeah, thank you so much. So to the listeners, this is Lizzie Edwards. From Lizzie and the Makers, thank you so much for being on. And if you don't mind, uh, once we uh, get done rolling here, if, if you could just stay with us for a couple of seconds, so that'd be sure. great. So anyway, thank you so much for coming on, Lizzie. Thanks for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you to Lizzie Edwards for joining us uh, for this guest segment of the podcast. Uh, that was uh, just wonderful uh, to talk to her. And so we thank you, Lizzie, for being on. Jason, what are you going to take away from this one? Uh, you know, a couple things. I actually have a lot to take away from this one, but I won't. I won't steal some, maybe some of your ideas. But one, love that her drummer played with both Vanilla Ice and Sade. And Sade, of course, had a song that was my wedding song, as we we talked about. So I'm linked to Vanilla Ice, I guess. <laughs> ice, ice baby. So, so in some way, shape, or form, you know, Vanilla Ice. He had a movie that came out in the early 90s called Cool as Ice. Did you know that? If I did, I blacked it out. It's terrible. The dad from Family Ties actually stars in it. He's one of the stars in it. If you could call that movie having stars in it. And in college, I used to go to Blockbuster Video and rent that all the time just so I could show people. Then Elias had a movie and here's what it is. It is awful. It is (laughs) But going back to Lizzie, um, I took that away. And then uh, really like her, the stories behind her tattoos where she, you guys couldn't see it, but she was showing us and talking to him. In fact, that, you know, traffic and the black crows and, you know, and just relation, you know, to um, a Madame Butterfly who her grandfather had, had been a part of that opera. So I thought that was super cool. What did, what did you take away? She has so many musical connections. You mentioned the family thing. Her dad played with Chuck Berry. And I was just so like, cool, just mind blown. Freddie King, that. just mind blown by that. It's just amazing. What can you say? You know, and they got her started in music very early on, so that uh, definitely. Worked I mean, she's her. got a great musical pedigree. Like, you know, two at least two generations. Her parents and her grandparents were musicians. Yeah, and it just uh, she spoke so highly of Ten Ton Mojo, and she really spoke highly of Jane Lee Hooker. You know, she said she was going to message, uh, message Dana right after the show. That would be a great tour if, if Jane Lee Hooker and Lizzie and the Makers tour together. I would do everything possible to see them play. I would do everything possible for us to be promoters. But that I too. Them, oh, we have really good ideas. We have tell them really good ideas. Do it like fantasy sports and, you know live in the pretend world one day we're going to have the all things blues and southern rock podcast music festival yes it's going to happen one day we can only hope 
if you're an investor or promoter out there right now and you're listening to this podcast, please contact us. If you got some capital, if you got all we cash. need, we just need money. We can do the rest, Brian. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Capital, that means money, right? If you yes, the, that means money. You yes, sir. You want, somebody wants to sponsor this, we can do it. We can get it done. I do, I do want to say thanks to Lizzie for stepping in and filling out for us. We had her scheduled to come in at a later date and something fell off and she nicely came in and saved our rear end. So thank you, Lizzie. Yeah. So until then, we'll just keep dreaming and always remember Southern rock is reverent and blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.